computer. Yeah, sometimes I, because with gym equipment, I have that where, you know, like you look at it and it's like, did the person who designed this ever lift it before in his life? But with a, with a laptop, it's like, has the person ever used a laptop in his life before? <laughs> like, what, what was he thinking? Um, yeah, yeah have but... a, periscope, a periscope that just comes up out of the, so it's like actually yeah from a normal <laughs> yeah 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 um anyways uh yeah how do i pronounce your name properly by the way I, so i think i know at this point it's jeffrey and not joffrey right just, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah just, just jeffrey yeah. yeah okay just because we were going back and forth a lot with uh dave and uh and brian borstein um yeah yeah i but, saw okay. that one that's good <laughs> Uh, and it's, and so if I see Jeff as a like a nickname, yeah. then that's that that's that works. Uh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, because the first time we talked, I called you Jeff the whole time, and then it hit me like, ooh, like what what if that actually is like completely <laughs> off? Um, yeah, no, it's spot on. Yeah, but then you also heard that I said that I really like how natural hypertrophy calls calls you like Jeff. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It is um we'll get into that whole thing yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so let's uh let's just start with some some warming up so so hey jeff uh thank thank you for coming on it's good to talk again so um how how is life treating you these days um yeah just in general how are you <laughs> yeah yeah it's good um you know youtube is is a lot of work but it's uh it's something i signed up for so i can't really complain about you know about the editing and about you know making the videos and everything and coaching so um yeah life life is good it's a lot of hard work but you know it's it's sort of just part of the process i guess yeah yeah do you uh how many so how many subs do you have at the moment like 80 something thousand no actually uh it just crossed 50 oh so yeah, yeah 50, okay. 50 point something um yeah, you're you're growing really fast, and I mean deservedly so. Um, how how many how many like videos are you aiming for per week, or like because I see you posting quite frequently. Yeah, I I've toned it down. I used to post every day, but that kind of schedule is just brutal. Yeah, like I would think of a video idea in the morning, research it in the morning, just like script everything, or at least have a list of topics ideas that I wanted to talk about about that topic. And then I would record it before I went to the gym. I would go to the gym in the afternoon. I would edit everything as I walked around after the gym because I edit on my phone, actually. And then I would get back and edit more, like a second layer, a third or fourth layer of editing. And then I would like upload it. Uh, well, first produce the video and then upload it and then think of a title and then also make a thumbnail. And that would be like all day, basically. Um, yeah. But it's uh, the quality drops off pretty noticeably just because you don't really have enough time to actually think about what you're doing or, or plan something out to the extent that it really should be. So I've gone down, I, I've sort of slowly gone down in frequency of posting to now I'm like maybe twice a week, um, mm. which I think is a lot more sustainable and manageable because I see a lot of YouTubers burn out just completely burn out especially the editing oh oh it's it's tough yeah yeah it's um 
Yeah, so so two questions off of that. Uh, by the way, just wanted to say I, I saw you with a lot of different haircuts. I think this this one is the best that I've seen so far. Oh, this one, this one, this one suits you very well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you when you come up with video ideas, like do you have like a like a list that you're like looking at at all times, like a pile or it's just like on the spot, like inspiration hits you. And so how does it go? Yeah, so it used to be like, this is the video for the day. Like, I just thought about it in the morning and then I would go to the gym and like, if I needed B-roll footage, I would just like do that exercise that day. Like, oh, it's a it's a video on overhead press. Like, guess I'm going to be doing overhead presses today. Like, oh. I should have sets just to record them. Um, but now I plan it out more in advance and I have projects that I've been working on for like months and months and months. You know, oh. so I'm... I'm yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of gathering footage and, and thinking about it more long term because, you know, there's no real rush to to upload things. And I, I feel like the the final product is a little bit more polished and um, the hard work kind of shows through. And, you know, I think going for frequency can definitely work, but I think you can also lose subs that way if you post like twice a day and, and three times a day and every day. I mean, who wants to listen to me every day for an hour a day or something? That's just, it's just too much, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, but, but the thing is, you're, you're actually doing a very good job, even with the high, higher frequency, um, surprisingly so, because that's what I tend to see as well, that it gets diluted really fast. I had one stint where the most frequent I've ever been on YouTube was every other day. And I kept that up for a couple of months. And the reason I stopped actually is because there was one like clear defining moment where I realized that I'm actually like, I'm going for frequency to the expense of not just quality, but also, well, I wouldn't say integrity, but, but there was one moment where I like, I literally didn't know what I should be, I, what, what the next video idea should be. So basically I came up with, um, like almost like a non-existent issue that I had that I wanted to discuss, which was that, so the video was called, I screwed up my bulk. And basically the video was about how I gained too much fat too quickly and how I messed up. And it was like, I've been bulking for like two weeks at the time and put on like a, like a, I don't know, a few grams too much fat. And, but at least I had the video and then I was roasted in the comment section about like how I'm completely messed up in the head. If I think that this is, you know, screwing up a bulk and they were completely right. Like it was nonsense, but I just couldn't come up with anything else. So, but I've, I've ha I haven't seen that with you. So, um, yeah, so I'm curious, like, where do you gather your inspiration from? Like, do you look at comments and, uh, that that's where you're gathering it from or, you're looking at other people's videos like what could you react on or like what is your main source of um, ideas i guess yeah so i guess there's a few different areas sometimes i get sent stuff to react to or someone's like oh you gotta do a video on this i would say 90 percent of the time i don't just because i get sent so much stuff and a lot of the time i don't find it to be all that interesting or it's just not really like newsworthy in the world of jeff um hmm. And sometimes like the bad part about calling out bullshit and, and, you know, quote unquote bad channels is that people want me to call out everything. So they'll yeah. send me something and it'll be like, it'll be kind of bad. Like it'll be kind of inaccurate, 
but it wasn't really malicious. And they'll be like, you got to call this guy out. I'm like, do I though? Like, do I? No, I don't think I do actually. Mm. And so I don't make a video about that kind of stuff most of the time. But if it's something really bad, then yeah, maybe. Um, And then I don't always make videos when it comes to like stuff people request, because often you know, if it's requested a lot and I see it a bunch of different times, yeah, it'll probably be something that can help a lot of people. But if it's just like one person with a really specific issue, like, oh, mm-hmm. could you make a video on like this one injury that I've had and I've like never heard of that injury? And that's not really worth making a video about because it has to be generally interesting to yeah. a lot of people. Because again, that's like how people drop off the channel is when you make a bunch of super specific content that they just don't really give a shit about so i always think about okay is this like actually interesting to people gonna actually benefit a wide variety of people is this something that i am personally interested in like i don't make a lot of nutrition videos you'll never see me make a recipe or cook on Mm -hmm. the channel like because i just just don't i just don't give a shit about that right it's just not something i'm not gonna get fired up to make a fucking croissant or something like you know who (laughs) who who cares right Um, yeah so it has to be like what something can help other people, but then I'm also interested in it because otherwise, like, you know, that's easy to get burnt out on as well. When just you're getting pulled in so many different directions and you have to make content that keeps you interested and engaged as well as the viewer. So it's sort of a balance. Like you can't have your content just be totally selfish. Like I see some people in the content is like everything's a vlog or everything's about their new PR everything like that. And there's no way that actually helps other people. And that's another way for people to drop off the channel. So you have to always sort of um, walk this tightrope between making interesting content for yourself, but also for other people and keeping everyone interested and making sure it's also clickable and also keeps people watching the video and and engaged, uh, that kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes to decide what videos to make. And that's where I think lower frequency can help because you're not forced to really make a, a decision with like, I got to make a video this day, today, got to make it, got to push it out there. Um, yeah. I would say in the long term, that might actually hurt your channel in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, how much, how much do you think um, this is sometimes what I think about how much room do you think there is for making a video that is like just purely something that's fun for you and maybe it's it's just entertainment and not so so like your channel like mine for the most part is is educational but like something that is like purely like a like a trolling like kind of funny video with not not, no educational value at all how how much value or or room is there for that uh like what do you think i I would say it depends on your audience mostly and it depends on like why people subbed so you know take Lane Norton, he has like very informational content and it's almost always, you know, science-based focused on the information. And if he came out with just a video that didn't have that at all, I think people would be kind of confused because that's not really why they subscribed to his channel. Um, I'm not saying he's done this or anything. It's just, you know, an example of an informational channel. And so on the other hand, you have these channels where they're, uh, you know, they're all entertainment. You know, what if Larry Wheels came out with like a Lane Norton style of content? Yeah. It'd be, his fans would be like, what the, they, they wouldn't understand it. But then also like they would, they would be like, what is this? I came here to see, you know, 
bloody nose deadlifts and arm wrestling, whatever. And so you sort of have to know your audience and you can toss in the occasional different video, but you kind of have to look at like the comments and then the watch time and then the click through rate, et cetera. And um, I think you can get away with, with that kind of stuff sometimes, but you do have to be aware of the feedback as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so last question on this, uh, the um, Greg Doucette's uh, Turkesterone video, which which was great, like um, for the funny type of video it was, it was like incredibly eye-opening. I, I, it was actually kind of shocking to to watch it. Um, how, how much time did that make to, how much time did it take to put that together? Um, I don't remember exactly. Um perhaps three or four days i want to say oh that's Um, pretty quick yeah um the one that i think a lot of people were surprised with my speed was the one where he debunked himself about the four pounds of muscle um because i I had it had like oh that's what i meant yeah 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 the the one where you're cutting in footages of him yeah okay yeah that that's the one that took Actually, that was also like, that was like two or three days. And I, I mm. think some people were surprised at how short that was. Yeah. Um, I have a, a transcript of all his videos. Oh. So I can just search, I can just search pounds of muscle. And anytime he has ever said pounds of muscle, I can find exactly where he has said that phrase. How, how do you do that? That, that? That's amazing. How, how actually, like, uh, a fan sent it to me. So he's like, Here, here's a Christmas gift or whatever. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Christmas. It was, it was around Christmas. And he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, enjoy. And I'm like, what the hell is this? He's like, what's your email? And he sends me this and I look through it and it's like, holy, like there's everything here. That's and so amazing. I can just control F his name or uh, control F, you know, any, any keyword. And I get, you know, the video, the URL, the timestamp. And because all, all YouTube videos, I think all, they have a, a transcript now. So you can open it up and then just search any word and it'll show you exactly the timestamp. And I guess this guy maybe scraped the transcript from all of his old videos. So, yeah. you know, when I said, when I said at the end of the video, like, oh, I, I know how to get in contact with, with former Greg, like, it's very it's literally control f and i can see you know yeah oh, okay that's i gotta gotta find out uh i mean i know that in some videos you can see the transcript if you like look at the captions like you can sort of see it but uh how to like download it or something i, I had no idea one could do that but i guess there must be a way then but um yeah, yeah. i don't know oh, it was i was impressed and he, he also sent me uh certain 12 million subscriber channel as well which will be <laughs> very well, useful. oh okay cool. <laughs> which one which one could that be <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> um so okay so let's let's make that transition to um topic uh, we wanted to chat about uh, and then if at the end we have some time then i would uh, also want to ask you some training about your training and bulk and uh, stuff like that but first um, so to make the transition, uh, first of all, in light of what just happened in the case of natural hypertrophy, which we are going to talk about, are you like, 
I, I've had lots of ideas recently, actually, which I think could be pretty cool to make videos about, but I am actually afraid if that's gonna end my channel or something, because like you, you just never know at this point. Um, so do, do you have that in the back? I mean, you, you had your, the, those freaking strikes, um, which is when we first talked from, from Greg Doucette. So do you have this in the back of your mind? I mean, certainly right now I do. Yeah. Cause I guess it's pretty fresh in my mind and it's um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably stick to more informational stuff just because, you know, if you call out a big channel and they're, you know, they have a lot of fans, you can get mass reported and then like, it's hard to win in that situation. Um, and then you sort of have to look at like risk to reward of posting a video um, and it's sort of sad in a way, like, I mean, YouTube says like, oh, we're giving everyone a voice. Like we're protecting, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a joke. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's, and I think a lot of creators feel the same way. Um, and it's sad because you can't use YouTube <laughs> to speak out against, you know, with this kind of situation, because yeah. even speaking out, I mean, I, I live in mainland China and it's far more likely that YouTube would ruin my life compared to the Chinese government. Like if you just, if I just think about it logically, like what is more likely to happen? You know, my channel gets the ax and that really like messes up my life or like local things here. I would say the, like YouTube is much more likely to, uh, to be an issue in my life, which is kind of sad actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, like even, I, th I think like now with the with the cove, I think a lot of this got a lot worse. Um, so was it Mike Matthews actually had a, a podcast with um, Mark Ripito. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that one. It was in November. So I think, yeah, in November. And it was, I mean, I could immediately tell that at the very least, there's going to be a lot of backlash because they were like very heavily like... Uh, just lashing out at um, like Pfizer and like a lot of these companies. And uh, it was like kind of some conspiracy theory stuff like thrown in there. So it was like, okay, like this is, this is definitely like pushing it. And by the next day, it was no longer on YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah. It's still, it's still available in, on the podcasting platforms, but from YouTube, it just vanished. And it's, um, it's very scary. Like, yeah, like free speech basically doesn't exist anymore on YouTube. Like, um, and the thing is that, of course, like you can always justify it in some way. Like this, of course, you can justify it. Like, well, I mean, it's dangerous. Like, don't encourage people to not vaccinate themselves and things like that. So you can you can come up with excuses for why it's okay to to um, censor things. But uh, but at the same time, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's no I think it's natural hypertrophy. You said in the video that he made about you and the Greg Doucette drama that uh, free speech is absolute, like you either have it or you don't like there is no like, you know, transitions between those two things. So um, but anyways, do you so do you know in in detail, like what what actually happened now in his case um, with NH? <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know all the details. I saw both of the videos in question. So the first one, it, it was making, he was making a video speaking out against uh, pornography, but then also 
just like sexual images in mainstream media where it's not porn like it's not actually nudity it's just you know a lot of cleavage and a lot of you know uh, sexual images and so yeah. i guess to drive the point home that you know young men are being exposed to these fairly graphic images you know not on on websites or anything just like on tv and stuff he was using background footage from a show called Icky Tusen, I-K-K-I-T-O-U-S-E-N, I think. I'm not familiar with it. But, you know, this show is up on YouTube and other places, apparently. And so, you know, he was using this as background footage, and it has a lot of, like, you know, sexual images, but no nudity. And the first video got age-restricted. So it's like a 15-minute video or something about you know, him talking about the dangers of exposing, especially young men to these sexual images. Cause like if you're a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old, like you don't really have that kind of self-control, right? It's just like, yeah, it's very easy to get manipulated because that's what it is, right? It's, it's these, mm-hmm. these TV shows have these images because you know, they're addictive, especially to that age group. Yeah. And that's the reason why he made the video. And then it got age restricted, which, I think pissed him off because that's like the age group that he was trying to target, like to actually help them. Yeah. Um, Cause if you're a 12 or 13 year old, I mean, like the vast majority of them, you don't have a voice in your ears telling you that this could be dangerous, right? Like you just have your testosterone and hormones and instincts, which are being manipulated. Mm-hmm. So I guess that pissed him off. And he uploaded a second version where it was like somewhat filtered Um and I guess it had like sort of a, a grainy filter over the images or something. Mm. Same video. There was like a, a part of the beginning saying like, I think it, was, I think it was saying like, I will not be silenced or I will not give up or something. I guess he was silenced, at least temporarily. Yeah. And then that video was up. I'm not sure how long. Um, could be six hours, eight hours, 10 hours. I'm not sure. But the next day, people kept sending me messages. Oh, his channel has been taken down. And I checked and it was down. And then um, I posted on my Instagram, uh, a bunch of different people posted and, and were trying to get a hold of um, of YouTube support on Twitter. And I don't really use Twitter. I have like a couple hundred followers or something. Mm. So um, actually Jeff Nipper had reached out to them. Oh, um, well, nice. Uh, Alpha Destiny, like there were a bunch of guys, Mario Tomic, like a lot, a lot of guys actually. Um, added added their muscle to the to the Damn. to the fight you have big arms there <laughs> jokes aside yeah, yeah, they didn't see that like, coming <laughs> uh, yeah they're up to like 18 almost just about whoa. so Holy shit. Yeah, it's a fat 18 but yeah, yeah i'm <laughs> so still like, still down at 16 yeah i mean uh 15 but sorry lean. 15 and a half but uh, lean like you like the difference between not not that lean. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I I put on um put on now some like holiday fun fun fluff and it's still okay. It might be sixteen now. Remeasure, but yeah, <laughs> definitely not bigger. Yeah. Um. But getting back <laughs> getting back on track. Um. And then the next day, his channel was back up, and um, it was really nice to see the community come together over this. And you know, I think something needs to be done because like they deleted his Google account. Apparently, 
So yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like he can't. There's nothing he can do like to appeal it like, because he just doesn't have an account. It's just everything's gone, right? And then that's that is the nightmare of pretty much every YouTuber, I think. Like you just wake up and it's it's gone. Like you try to log in, it's just this account does not exist. Or like you go to your page from an, another account, and it's just gone. Everything is just white. I mean, that is like, oh, I'd rather. I would rather lose my left pinky finger compared to my YouTube channel. And I mean that yeah. completely genuinely because what the fuck use is this? This barely does anything. I could still grip a barbell without yeah. it, but YouTube channel, man, that's like a, it's a big deal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is actually insane. And the thing is, um, I mean, so I left this comment on your post when you, when you posted about the, the fact that it happened, that. I don't think a lot of us are thinking enough about uh, like backing ourselves up in case something like this happens because like, yeah, I, I lost my Instagram uh, twice now. <laughs> and the first one I, on the first one I had like, I'm like close to 5,000 followers, which it sucked big time. But if I'm being really honest, like business wise, it didn't affect me at all, like at all. And most of it was like it's 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 a vanity thing almost more than anything, and it's fun. Like I I enjoy making some funny posts and some educational things, and yeah, like I'm I'm fallible. Like it appeals to my ego when I'm getting like a lot of likes on some cool posts that I put work into or that I think is funny. It's cool, and and the context like I, I had a lot of chats with with people there, so it sucks to lose that. But yeah, if I lost my YouTube channel, I mean. First of all, it would be just devastatingly frustrating to lose all those years of work. And I mean, it would be, I mean, on YouTube to get, to gain traction, it, it's difficult. Like you put out the yeah. video, like, man, like it's a drop in the ocean. So like it's, you're in a pretty like privileged position, even if you have like a hundred subscribers, because at least you have like some momentum, but to gain that it, it can be pretty hard. So um, do, do you have like any kind of backup strategy for yourself? Like, do you think of a possibility like this? Yeah. So, well, it's, again, it's pretty fresh in my mind and it's something that you don't, you don't always consider. Uh, I have all my videos up on Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. Mm -hmm. Um, so everything is there because I think one of the comments on the natural hypertrophy situation was it's like the library of Alexandria just got burned down mm. and people were like commenting back and forth like oh who has these videos downloaded does anyone have like backups and stuff so I have everything just over on on Odyssey and you know if, if the channel got deleted I think those would stay up I should probably double check that I'm, but I'm pretty sure they would stay up I might put them on like peer tube or rumble i don't know I, I haven't looked into too much there, there are other options and you know the views are not fantastic from those platforms but like that's not why the videos are there it's just to have a second place there and at least on odyssey you can like just click download next to the video mm -hmm. and i mean you can download youtube videos but it's you have to go through a third party like you can't just you can't just click on the video it's downloaded i think yeah. Um, so in Odyssey, it's nice to have everything there and, and sort of backed up. 
Um, in terms of like my social media, yeah, I, I think you're gonna lose a lot of the numbers that you built up. If you like, you'll probably lose, I don't know, 80, 90%. Like if I, let's say my YouTube channel got deleted and then it was like, oh, I'm now I'm creating a new channel. Like how many people would trickle over from the old channel to the new channel? Like they might have trouble finding it. Uh, I, you know, maybe some some friends could shout out the channel and, and guide people in the right direction. But, you know, I would say I would probably be back down to like ten thousand, maybe twenty thousand. Um, yeah. Probably under twenty. Probably ten, ten thousand something. Um, just because most would, like, either they've stopped watching my videos anyway, or like you just forget about channels sometimes, right? Like, there's channels you're subscribed yeah. to, and you're just like. You haven't seen them in forever. So there aren't that many people who, if my channel got deleted, they're checking it on a regular basis anyway. Usually yeah. like they'll just forget about it or like they'll watch some other video or something. And so, you know, you see this with a lot of very high subscriber channels. They don't have the same kind of engagement rate because a lot of people have already dropped off anyway. And so, yeah, yeah it, would be, it would be super shitty. That could be sure. Yeah, I I think like this, I mean, so with Facebook, I had like several issues. Now, the first thing was, um, it was two years ago. So in 2020. Um, but yeah, actually, it was, I know the, the lockdowns were already going on. So it was like, but relatively early on in the cove, I remember when um, I had another Facebook account that I was using. And but I've been using that for like six years at that point or something. And just one day to the next, it just like I, I couldn't log in. And it was um like this message that was saying, confirm your identity. Uh, but we will send you a text message to this phone number. And that phone number I haven't had for four years by that point. It was just some prepaid shit I had in like, I don't know, like when I made the account, I guess I gave a phone number just like randomly. And there was no option to say, I no longer have this phone number or I'm going to yeah. choose another method like email or something. And like no. literally nothing I could do. And I literally had to just like sit there and watch my Facebook account just, just disappearing completely. Um, like all the, um, like basically like even if there was some means of uh, contacting Facebook support or something like that would have been, I mean, you have to be logged in for that. Um, but, 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 but that's, that, that was the first time when I really experienced how it is when like, this would be such a simple, stupid issue to solve. Like all it would take is like someone to get on a phone with you or on a chat. And like in one minute, like it was like, Hey, so I no longer have this phone number. Is there any other way? It's like, Oh yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. It's, it's a mistake from our end click, click this link and it will be all good. Like that, that's all it would take. But it's just like all these automated like forms and forums and bullshit that they are directing you to. So like that, that's, that was the first time when I realized that, man, like things can go in, in a heartbeat and like you, you're very powerless. And it, it's quite ridiculous that th there are no humans at the other end of this. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and again, the consequences were kind of shitty, but I, I had a Facebook group that I've been running um, and people from my YouTube channel and stuff were coming there. And I had like 4,000 members in it. I lost that, which again was shitty, but I had to realize that, okay, like as cool as that Facebook group was, 
wasn't contributing to that much because like literally like nothing changed after that. So that was, that was shitty Instagram accounts, same thing. Um, and even on YouTube. So like uh, for me to enable uh, monetization on my channel, it was like a two year project because they had some weird glitch where AdSense was somehow sensing that I had like two accounts open from two different email addresses and even though I like deleted both accounts like several times, like it still said it and it was like a glitch still. Um, and it, eventually the way I solved it, I don't even want to say it on air because like it's, it's not, not, com not completely legit. So like who knows, maybe I will get in trouble <laughs> for that. But um, it's, I think anyway, the, all that was to say that I realized a long time ago that it's, it's very, very dangerous to just rely on these platforms because you don't own anything here. Like if YouTube yeah. just goes down tomorrow, like you have no right to complain to anyone because like you yeah. were a guest there basically. So um, yeah, yeah. There's, not, like, there's not that many people who work there, um, especially I think Facebook, they keep their customer support super bare bones. And it's almost like, they make it difficult to get a hold of a person because they have so many users, just so much to deal with that you know, getting a person on the phone can be difficult. And, you know, I, I think they really need to hire more people. It's not like there's a shortage of money over at Facebook or, or Google or anything. It's just like they want to maximize profit and therefore like hiring people is expensive. And so they try to automate as much as they can. And that doesn't end very well. And then you have the people who are checking the content. You know, if you watch the whole video by natural hypertrophy, it's very, very obvious that he's using the images just to show the problem at hand. Yeah. Whereas if you're a content reviewer, you probably watch 10 seconds and you're like, oh, titties, boom. Like it showed some skirt, boom. And then you see like the next day him upload the same thing. And their reaction is probably like, oh, fuck this guy. Look, he's just uploading porn. Oh, screw him. Delete yeah. everything. Whereas like they just don't have the time to watch a 20 minute video. They're probably watching. If, if the content creator is lucky, they're watching like 20 seconds. And yeah, that's probably the reality of it. That, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I was thinking like, um, cause his Google account was deleted as well. Like, was this an actual person? That's that's what I never know. Like, is this an actual like person, like some moron who somehow got to work at Google, even though he's a moron or she, and like saw it and did something manually, or these are just like you know bots that are doing all the, all the stuff? Like, I'm guessing they. So I'm guessing they outsource it. So it's it might not even be a official, an official formal Google employee, because they probably just outsource it to different countries where it's going to be cheaper and then they have people just look at the footage and they have like a rubric oh if you show this do this if it shows this do this and you know that's just again to maximize profits but you know maybe these people don't actually they might not even speak english where they're just looking at the footage it's like oh is there violence is there nudity is there anything like this and then if the answer is yes then then yeah they're they're they just delete the video or they, they age restricted or they they might even go farther perhaps there's some kind of policy oh if they re-upload the same thing after it's been you know sanctioned or, or restricted oh just delete everything because then they're trying to like fight against the system 
and we can't have that. And so maybe that's just what policy is. Like if they fight back, just just curb stomp them. Yeah, that's that's what. Um, oh, and by the way, like just on the um, like Facebook and and YouTube not having customer support. So first of all, like what I was thinking at one point. Do you know who Cal Newport is? Um, he's I've a writer. He wrote the book Deep Work. He had a TED talk, which was, uh, but I'm sure you've heard about Deep Work. You know, like um, it's it's a big thing in spaces that you're moving around as well, like content creators and whatever they they talk a lot about. Um, I mean, it, it depends on whether you're into like personal development and productivity and those things at all. That then, nope. if if not, then you didn't didn't hear about it yet. Yeah, you're you're just uh, naturally good at those things, so you don't. Um, but. <laughs> But no, it's uh, so he his whole thing is about his life's work is basically about um, telling people how we are wasting our cognitive abilities and resources and human like workforce as well on these mundane tasks that really anybody could do, such as, you know, customer support, like emails and, and stuff like that. And like, you know high level intellectuals should not spend time on, on email. They should spend time, you know, working and then just spend as little time on that as possible. And like, I was thinking that man for him, like what Google does and what Facebook does, like for him, it's his wet dream, basically like, like they spend no time on email. That's for sure. <laughs> Cause everything is freaking automated, but like, dude, like, like, do you think this is good? Like, yeah, I'm not saying that a, a company like Google ideally would be spending, you know, billions on just customer support, like hiring staff for that. But, but man, but then make it work what you're doing, because clearly this is not working. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, right? Um, yeah. For them to delete someone in this way. It's embarrassing. And they should be embarrassed about it. And I'm sure at the highest level, like no one's going to hear about this. Um, but this is not the first time, like, this is not the first time this kind of stuff's happened. It's just the first time we're talking about it. It's just the first time that someone was big enough and had enough, you know, friends and enough of a following to make enough noise for it to actually get fixed. And, you know, thank you to YouTube for fixing it. But, you know, they yeah. should really take a look at their process and, you know, think about, hey, let's not have this happen again. Maybe we shouldn't be destroying the people who make content on our platform even if it's not advertising money for them it's still embarrassing and you know they should really take a fine tooth comb to their processes and maybe put some i don't know some barriers in place to getting all your shit deleted i don't know it just seems like a, it seems like a good idea to not just give one employee the power to just red <laughs> yeah button nuke your channel i don't know it just seems like just seems like maybe a good idea to consider changing. yeah it's um yeah i mean there there is there's so many things they could have done to to make make this work better but um what was i saying jesus um we're saying um what did i say before you said this um yeah, deep work Facebook Deep work. Yeah. Facebook customer support. Um, Shitty corporation. Yeah. Oh man. Totally escaped me. But, um, but anyway, like, so what, what do you think, um, 
by the way, it's amazing of YouTube that they actually at least did something about it. Because because honestly, yeah. like that's um, that that the Instagram, for example, like I've I've never heard of any instance. I've heard of some instances where someone was hacked, and then they managed to sort that out. So Brian Borstein, for example. But even then, I think it was that his hacker was just dumb and like he tried to sign in and he got like a, a verification code on his phone. So like, oh, cool, I can log back in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so like having dumb hackers definitely helps. But but someone who was just like randomly disabled um, and something was done about it or at least have gotten an explanation on why you're not getting re-enabled. Never, never heard of that. So it's great yeah, that sure. YouTube, at least like, it seems like there is a way to, to make, make it work. If, if like Mike Israel, for example, I talked to him and I asked him how he got back his Instagram and he didn't really get it back because he was disabled at, you know, like 170,000 followers. He didn't really get it back because it keeps getting disabled because it has like too many strikes on it or something. And he said like, well, you know, I basically know enough people with enough money and influence. And even in his case, like he cannot really sort it out because it just keeps getting like screwed over. So that's why he is using his new account that he opened. So on Instagram, it seems like you're, you're just crude because like it, the support there is just so minimal. It looks like at least at Google, if you collect enough like big big players that are standing besides you then then you can do something um but what i was thinking of a bunch of times is like okay like i understand that you cannot spend like 10 billion a year to hire people to chat with uh, users because because admittedly like surely a bunch of people are just morons and they would just reach out for any kind of bullshit and that's what they would do all day but um, then I don't like make it a premium, like, okay, customer support, you can get to have a phone call with someone, $500. That, that's a shit, shit ton. That's for sure. But you know, if natural hypertrophy, for example, would have had like no way to access them, I'm sure he would have been very happy to pay that, for example. So yeah, like if you could pay, you know, as a YouTuber, you know, you pay, I don't know, a thousand dollars a year for like, I don't know, some insurance from getting kicked in the face. Like, all right, sounds good to me. Like, oh, it seems even, even two thousand. Like, I would yeah, be like, very happy to pay that. Like, wouldn't think twice about it. In a way, it seems like extortion, but like, yeah, yeah. shit, I'd pay that <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, so the thing that I, I said to you in the um, in our chat is. Do you think that we as content creators could, could somehow like form some sort of a community or like some, some sort of like a coalition to fight against this so that, for example, when something like this happens, then like what luckily happened in the case of natural hypertrophy that, you know, people started um, speaking out for him and that helped him, that could like happen like instantaneously and you wouldn't have to go out of your way to like ask separately or whatever, try to spread the word. I think that could help a lot. Um, have you, I mean, I mean, now I know you have thought about it because we talked about it, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah. What we need to do, we need to start a Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, the worst platform to be on. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how we should set it up, but yeah, there needs to be something where people feel like just a place where, where people in the fitness industry can go and, you know, tell other people and then they could spread the word because yeah, if your account, like if your main account gets deleted and then, you know, like you have to go one by one to people, you know, to like say, Hey, like, could you shout me out or like link my account or something? Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough because any, any group you're going to have is probably going to be on some social media site. Um, and if it's an obscure site, no one's going to like no content creator is going to add another website that they have to go to because they're already on like the main sites and they're usually pretty busy anyway. So it would probably have to ironically be on a big platform already. Like I joked about a Facebook group, but like it would have to be something similar on a platform, probably Instagram, <laughs> ironically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what we should do is we open a Facebook group and the way you access the group is you have to provide your YouTube handle and or in your Gmail, whatever address as well. And then um, then we accept you to the group. Well, if you don't have those, then you cannot be in the group. So uh, no, but I'm, I'm really thinking that something like that should happen. I'm just, yeah, I'm also lost in those details. So, so maybe, maybe I'm just like, we are just throwing it out there to the ether. So if someone is listening to this and has some good idea, please uh, let us know. I, I would be very happy to follow up on anything like this. Um, and yeah, like either so, and what that could achieve is either just more like instantaneous communication towards these giants, or maybe we could like start a movement to like, um navigate to some other platform from these or I, I don't know like which which of course that that's not going to happen but like uh, i feel like we we just made these things like too big so um i don't know like i think youtube is just too big for its own good at this point like um we don't need that many users like content creators like you don't need like i don't know how many billions of users there to to thrive really like you need a couple of million really to to find enough people that follow you so i, th I think it's just out outgrown itself in instagram as well like um it's great that this many people use it but this also means that at, at this point there is no way to run these sites with with fairness basically so yeah no you're not really legally protected because everything is in this bubble of being on the platform and like nothing the platform does is really illegal like it might be immoral in, in some cases but like nothing they do is really illegal and a lot of the laws are not really up to date to the point where like some of the laws governing you know whether it's it's copyright or users rights or anything like that you know they're they're decades old and they never really like the people who made the laws are not really anticipating these kinds of situations um and so it's sort of difficult to say like you know what the best option is um you know some kind of, actually i was joking with another with a big youtuber he's saying like oh we should get a workers union because like it's kind of our job actually it yeah. literally is our job to make videos and yeah we don't have any any rights right it's 
It's, yeah. uh, it's, and they can just literally delete you at any point, despite putting literally thousands of hours into the channel working for them. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's really one of those like David and Goliath moments. Like it reminds me of these things that I read about in my history books in high school that, you know, like, like this is what they were doing during the first big, whatever financial crisis, like people just like laid off and people losing their jobs, like no, no support whatsoever. Like, it's just, just like the powerful, like actors, just like basically rolling over you. Um, it's very, very messed up. Um, uh, so yeah, so just getting back to, I think we can wrap up with this topic because I think we kind of exhausted it, but um, going forward now, like how do you think about creating content yourself? So is there a type of content that maybe like a year ago or something or two years ago, like before like the first ugly situations like this happened, you would have been like really happy to make and now you're like very strongly second guessing yourself whether you really should make that type of video well I've, I've, I've sort of only been making content for about two years on youtube like it'll be two years in oh, yeah. march um i guess i started in late 2019 but my first videos were so bad that i i gave up <laughs> so and then i returned in march 2020 um so i mean yeah like anything with like, you know, what if I make an edit and the edit has like a scene from a movie that's violent, it gets flagged for violence or something. Right? Yeah. Like I have an edit or something like that. Or like, I don't really have a lot of sexual content in my videos. Like my mere presence is, is enough in the video. Um, but you know, what if, you know, what if some edit gets, gets flagged like that? Like, I guess it's sort of in the back of my mind um, now. And then you know, maybe the call out videos where, you know, I might be, I might tone it down a little bit just because I think as, and this is probably just because as the channel grows, the tone kind of has to change a little bit as well. Mm. Like if you are a relatively small channel, calling out bigger channels is like, is kind of acceptable. Yeah. But I think once you get to a, a bigger channel, it's like the, the balance of power kind of shifts. So, you know, then you're calling out channels which are smaller than you, which is like, even then it's almost like bullying in some ways. So, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So I think this is something that actually Greg Doucette kind of had to learn where, <laughs> yeah. you know, hey, when I have 50,000 subs, you know, I'm calling out the bullshit. But when you have a million, you know, everyone is smaller than you just about. And so there's not really many people you can call out yeah without that dynamic changes which is probably why he loves calling out jeff cavalier because mm. he's one of the few channels where you know it's actually bigger than him and he can have that similar feeling of calling out the big channels and no one's gonna say that greg you said is bullying jeff cavalier right Just yeah yeah because of that balance of power but you know if he calls out a youtuber with a thousand subscribers yeah that's that's that could have some serious ramifications when you're sending, you know, 20,000 angry fanboys to someone's channel. And so, yeah. you know, that's something that I also keep in mind. I'm not really you know, pulling out Greg for this. It's something that I also keep in mind because 
you know, as the channel grows, I have to be a little bit more mindful with how I word things and like how aggressive slash passionate I get in the video, that kind of thing. Just because, you know, the bigger the channel, the more words have ramifications and you sort of have to understand what that might be. Yeah, it's, do you, do you actually know the rules on that? Like, uh, is it like up to 15 seconds you're allowed to play like other people's videos and stuff and then you cannot be struck with copyright? Like at a time, so like you can play 15 seconds, then you, a break, you talk another 15 seconds, something like that? Or... I think, yeah, I think it depends on the type of content and it also depends on their automated systems. So sometimes music will get flagged for even shorter than that. I'm pretty sure I've gotten edits flagged that were not 15 seconds. They were definitely under that. Oh. Um, but music is very easily easy to flag. Um, video content, you can just reverse it, which which seems to help. Um, reverse it, I mean, like yeah, play so you can just, no, 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 oh, so you like flip the it. image. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. So you can flip the, the image and then it's like harder to detect. You can maybe change the shading or something. Mm -hmm. um, you're, it's supposed to be uh, if you're responding to it. So if you're reacting to it and you're in the, the image the whole time, that's supposed to be okay for any amount of time, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Like you see some channels where it's like they're reacting to the video the whole time. Like yeah. Just, they play a video and it's just like, hello, I'm here. Yeah. Now it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it depends on because copyright law is not black and white. That's what people don't realize. It's not like this is, this isn't. It depends on the context, if it's educational, if it's fair use, if they're profiting. Like it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, and especially on YouTube, it's sort of its own bubble again. It's its own situation that's a little, little bit distinct from the law. And they can go out of the bubble into the law, but most of the time it stays in this bubble of YouTube mm -hmm. and any copyright issues are just solved here because otherwise, you know, people would be suing each other left and right. And so everything is sort of in here and occasionally, pretty damn rarely it seems, it goes out of there, but usually it, it sort of stays within the YouTube system. And that's why they designed the system so that they didn't have to deal with legal kind of stuff frequently yeah actually now that i think of it like the cheapest um like way to get more content for yourself is to like react to some like totally legit video and just like sit there the whole time it's like yeah like, very well said <laughs> yeah, actually, i i find this to be to be sketchy just like in terms of thinking about like who benefits or something so i won't name names but there's like this big content creator he took this other video from another content creator that was very popular, literally played through the entire thing, him occasionally stopping it, taking breaks. And then at the end of the video, he's like, um, well, go check out the full video. Well, oh, I guess he just saw the whole video. Uh, go leave him a like, like drop him a thumbs up. Um, and it's, it's that situation where if someone is disincentivized from watching the original video it can basically kill the original video mm -hmm. because they don't have a reason to go watch it they don't no one subs to their channel 
if they're a good person about it, and this person was actually like they left their link in the description and, and that kind of stuff, um, you know, they can still benefit from it. And I try to link whenever I mention a video, whenever I like you know react to a video, you know, I try to to send as much uh, as much traffic their way. Um, unless they're an asshole, in which case I don't, <laughs> but you know, if they're a good person, it's a good video. Um, I'm essentially taking their content at least in part. And so I want to sort of send some value back their way. And a lot of people don't do that. And I think it's important, especially if it's a good video, uh, to actually at least make the attempt to, uh, have it be a two way street. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. So from now on, I will be reviewing all your videos. <laughs> will be, uh, every video you make, the next day you will see my, my reaction. I'm just going to be, wow, but really well said. Like this. Just eating, eating your breakfast. Actually, so I, I saw this channel. And I'm not going to name it because he's, a, he's an idiot and I don't, know, I don't like him. And I don't want to send any traffic his way. But that's what he does. He's been creating like two videos a day. He's just, he's just eating and watching the video. He doesn't even pause it. He just talks when he, when he, you know, has an idea. So, wow. you know, and obviously these videos are not that popular because like, yeah, it's, it's lower quality than the original, <laughs> but you know, it's yeah. definitely one way to make content. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um... all right, man. So we think we've been on for about an hour. Do you have like a, a couple more minutes or like you have a, hard stuff yeah, now. yeah i'm good yeah i'm good i'm awesome so hour. yeah so i wanted to ask you a little bit about like some tra training stuff and whatever just to um for people that are not interested in this kind of stuff so that they can see in the timestamps that we talked about but i'm actually interested in it so um you being on a pretty assertive bulk for the past couple of months um so the first thing I would like to ask, so you, you gained something like 30 pounds in six months or so, something like that? Yeah, yeah, about that. Um, from like 85 to 86, and now I'm like 96 and 97. I was up to like 98 and a half, almost 99, but uh, I dropped down a little bit. It's just tough to eat enough food. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, do you, would you consider yourself a person with like genetically smaller appetite or average bigger, um, bigger, but it also, I can like control it pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So if someone is like, Oh, you have to get back to 85, 86 kilos in, you know, a month and a half or two months, like I could do, it would be, it would be shitty. Like I would have to be in a very big deficit, but I could. I could deal with it. Um, but I would say, yeah, I, I have no problem most of the time getting down the food. Um, I, I do intermittent fasting. So, you know, I'm still getting in like probably close to 4,000 calories in a roughly a four or five hour feeding window for solid food. So, uh, I guess to go into detail about the diet. So in the morning, I have uh, coffee and casein protein powder. So I, I might have uh -huh. like one, one maybe two scoops of that in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just what I've always done. If I'm cutting, if I'm bulking, like that's just, I don't want to have to deal with food. So I just, I have that and then I work in the whole morning. 
And then at 2 p.m., I go to the gym. I have a liter of skim milk and a little bit over a liter of orange juice. It's like 1.25 liters of orange juice. (laughs) And that is like 35 grams or so of protein, probably 150 to maybe 200 grams of carbohydrates Mm -hmm. during my workout. And I've been doing pretty high volume training and pretty hard training as well. So it's a lot. It's a lot of work, probably an hour and a half, sometimes up to two hours of, of pretty tough training. And that seems to help pretty significantly. Right now I'm doing full body every day. And so it definitely has helped with that. Full body every day. Um, and then I, I walk around. I used to have two ice creams after training. I have to get back to doing that. <laughs> it helps. And then I have a liter to a liter and a half of whole milk halfway through oh, my walk go med. and then I walk um, I walk home I have my dinner which is which is has recently been a whole 12 inch pizza <laughs> uh, some other stuff cheesy bread or something else um, and then you know if my wife cooks I'll eat that but that's usually that's why I've been actually losing weight because it's not as as calorically dense and so it's just lower calories and I just I can't get as many in. Um, and then maybe a second meal of like, you know, rice and vegetables and, and you know, health foods. Um, but it, it just sort of depends on what I want. And, you know, if I'm cutting, obviously that'll be a lot sort of cleaner and lower calorie. And that's probably the biggest change that I make if I'm bulking or cutting. Um, and then another casein um, shake before bed. So it's like probably one, two, three, five-ish feedings of protein. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting because I, I mean, basically, I don't think I would actually be curious to see that if I was willing to let myself eat as like shitty as I want, like no regards to health and nutrient density and these things. like where would I actually stop where I would be like okay even from these like super palatable like shitty foods like I I just don't want to eat anymore uh like where would that be I mean of course like there is a point where like you're never really hungry you're just like I could eat a bit more pie or whatever but like where would that point be where I would like just couldn't help under eating even from these things um I yeah I think it's interesting go ahead yeah, because like, sorry, because um, a lot of people in the fitness industry, like they'll see me eating a pizza or, you know, some other non-clean food and they'll freak out. They'll just <laughs> be like, oh, this is oh, like you're telling people the wrong habits or something. So often I don't even talk about my diet, but this is just what has been what it takes to get me to my goals with the structure that I want to help me still create content and get in the calories that I need. Um, like, I don't want to eat six meals a day. It's just, I don't want to do that. So it's a lot of liquid calories. It's a lot of calorie dense foods after training. But even with these calorie dense foods, sometimes I'm losing weight or plateau. So I would say, yeah, your, your metabolism and your hunger levels, especially, they kind of balance after a while. And so like, if I wanted to get to 100 kilos, that was my goal to get to 220 pounds. And you know, we'll see if it happens this year, but like, I have to really push the needle up 
and like eat food when I don't want to really eat food to get up to that level. And so if you're, I mean, I'm active, I'm getting in like 10,000 or 12,000 steps a day. Um, I'm large, I train a lot, my training is tough. Uh, I train full body fairly frequently right now, aggressively overloading. And so, plus with the intermittent fasting, I can eat a lot of food and, you know, not get fat. Whereas some people, they're sedentary and they don't train hard and they don't have a lot of muscle mass. And so they're mm. looking at calories the total opposite way. So for me, I'm trying to get them up, 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 up. And yeah. then they're trying to get them down, 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 down. And they're always hungry, et cetera. It's a completely different situation, you know, compared to just the average desk worker or something or someone who doesn't have a fitness or athletic background. And so a lot of professional athletes will have this problem too. Mm. They'll, they'll be always trying to get in these calories that they need to grow and, and you know, to perform well. And they don't want to eat, but they have to eat if they, if they want to get bigger and get stronger and to perform well and have the energy they need. And so, yeah. you know, if they tell the average person like, oh, I'm trying to get in these calories, the average person's like, what, what does that even mean? Like they can't even understand yeah. that, that mindset. So it's sort of looking at it from a totally different perspective. Yeah. And, and I think also a lot of it, um, a lot of it depends on like I've, I've seen a lot of your content on um, some of your earlier videos, even where you were talking about um, kind of like intuitive eating um, and the way you were talking about it. It seems like you actually have like a very like naturally healthy kind of uh, relationship with your body signals and regulating your hunger and these sorts of things. And I think am I, am I correct in saying that, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, but this is partly, again, like if the more active you are, the easier it is to regulate things. Mm -hmm. um, and so if someone is getting in like a thousand steps a day or something, uh, that's going to be really tough because, oh, yeah. or if they just, they, you know, they're surrounded by, by foods in the house. Like I don't really keep food in the house, right? Like I don't keep cookies nearby while, while I work because they wouldn't, they would be inside of my belly like very, very yeah. quickly. So I keep just um, a very, and I don't even do this consciously. It's just sort of like how I set things up. And, you know, I don't count calories, but I did for many years. And I, I think that has helped mm -hmm. in prioritizing things. But yeah. I think I'm getting to the level where it's, it's more unconscious competence, where I know what I need. I know my goals and I know, how much structure I need to get to those goals. And it isn't very much structure um, because a lot of it is more habitual and I don't really have to force it or, or go out of my way to go get that. But if someone is, is maybe more of a beginner, yeah, they might need to count. Yeah, they might need to be very conscious with like what foods are in the house or like if they go to a family gathering, like you know, what, what do they eat first or like what do they fill up on vegetables or, or fiber or water, like what foods are good or bad or, or something like this. And so, you know, a lot of, this is where a lot of beginners, they have this good and bad mindset of foods. And maybe they're not completely wrong, right? Because for them, there are some bad foods. Ultimate goal should be, you know, you should be able to incorporate what you want to eat and know how much you need to eat. And, you know, the foods that are actually going to be good for you and also help you get to your goals and, and keep your health, et cetera. So it sort of is a, is a balancing act that um, beginners will probably take a lot of years to learn. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think um, 
this whole like trying to get the calories in um, and, and you don't have the appetite for that anymore. Like I think a lot of people and for the most part, I would even put myself in that category that they would hear that and they are like, man, like that, that point doesn't exist for me. Like I could just, if, if, if my calorie requirements would be like 7,000 a day to, to be <laughs> able to gain weight, that would be amazing. Cause like, probably I would be just able to stay under 7,000 every day. But, um, but I think a lot of that depends on basically how disorder someone's um, like eating uh, patterns are, because I think a lot of people would get to the point where, yeah, like as far as satiety signals and how much they really would feel like eating, they already reached the point like a long time ago where you actually would feel like under eating, but I think a lot of people just have gotten used to that feeling of being like uncomfortable and like basically like just uh, stuff to the brink. And like, I've heard some really messed up stories actually about this, but um, yeah, I yeah. think, I think for someone like you, like you have a healthier relationship with all of this. And so you get to like 4,000 calories. And at that point you're like, man, like I'm really full, like, thank God I don't have to eat more or someone else is like, well, yeah, I feel kind of sick, but yeah, give me more of this tasty stuff, you know? So, yeah, I think part, part of it is, is the set point. So I'm at like 18, 19, 20% body fat, somewhere in that range. And, you know, if I was 8%, it's, it's a totally different situation. Um, so like mm. the leaner you get, the more your body generally tries to force you to go up and the higher you are, the more your body is sort of like, all right, like chill, bro. Like, you know, you're, you're good. Like we're good on the energy thing. Like, and so I, I find that my body will sort of send me towards around 15%. That seems to be like mm -hmm. my equilibrium. Um, and I think there's benefits of going above it at times. And there's maybe benefits for going below it, especially if like, if that's something you want, but you know, if I, if I just like cut for a long time and then I got super lean, um, this whole thing would not work very well or it would, but I would have to be more mindful and more conscious about it. And I did maintain around 10%, close to 10% uh, body fat for like eight or nine months. Mm -hmm. Maybe no, no, six or seven months, somewhere around there. And you're like me then. Yeah. 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 yeah so that, and it's doable, right? Like you can get through yeah. it, but it's like, you have to be really mindful and, and choose mm -hmm. right foods and satiate and like, use the voluming, volumizing strategies that you've used yeah. um, and it can work, right? Like it's doable, but like your body is still sometimes like t speaking to you and saying, oh, yeah. Hey, like, you know, like you can tell, right. And I, I've actually seen this with the cookbook with some people who message me and they're on like the cookbook diet where it's a lot of volume and fiber. They'll be full, physically full, but their body is like, yeah, this is not, this is not what we want. Like we want, we want energy. Like we want, like, we want peanut butter, right? That kind of thing. And yeah. so that's something I've encountered. And I've even had some clients who, you know, they've had binge eating issues and, you know, so they'll binge and then restrict and then binge and then restrict. And I mean, that's something I've, I had to deal with for a while. Um, I never had it that bad, as, as bad as some of my clients, but like, yeah, they were going the yo-yo but not like the yo-yo in the typical, like, you know, high body fat range, but like in the low body fat range. 
yeah. they were doing like nine, 10, 11, 12%, not 12%, but like high single digits usually. And, you know, they binge because they're kind of too lean. And then like they feel bad, so they cut and they binge mm-hmm. and they cut. And it's just this horrible cycle. Yeah. And, you know, with them, I tell them like, you're just like, they're just too lean. And they like, you know, they get into the mid teens and like the training is going better. And like, all right, let's keep pushing to gain weight. Like, let's keep adding weight to the bar. Let's keep pushing. And you can get this really interesting anabolic rebound where mm. like, they're not, re- they're not getting fatter. Like, they're like, yeah, I'm up 15, 20 pounds, but like, I kind of look leaner. Like what, the, what the hell is going mm. on? And it's because like they're retaining less water and just like their body is saying, okay, like, Finally, you know, we're getting to where, you know, uh, the body fat range is, is maybe a little bit better for where they should be. So, um, and that's not every client, but, you know, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I also maintained like 10-ish, probably like a little bit above 10, but around that for like seven, eight months. And um, basically, eventually I got to the point where I felt like, like it just became so second nature, like basically just the daily chores of, of making that work. Like I, it, it was like automatically assumed in every meal that like, okay, it will take some time to prepare all that volume. And, and I always need to have like mushrooms in the house and, you know, things like that. So it just became, became so automatic, but um, it, it's definitely getting just like a little bit above that definitely made me feel just all around like well-being increased like sleeping sleeping quality or sleep quality is better and so i find that for myself like basically there's like two points like either too low or too high where on the lower end it's like okay it looks great but eventually i just have to ask myself like why like it's is is it really do i have a good enough reason to put up with all this extra attentiveness that is required to be be at this point and realistically no like because if if at least i had that kind of lifestyle where like i'm attending like pool parties every week or something or or like my my wife would be like i don't know like disgusted by me i mean that would be an issue then probably we wouldn't be together if if she was that kind of person but like if if she like like was in awe of my physique when i'm like super lean and she just couldn't stop like complimenting me like okay like that would be a strong motivator but like I, I get like, I'm in public with my shirt off, like on average, probably every other year, like one time or something. <laughs> so like, it's, it's just very hard to justify it in that aspect. And then, but then also like on the way up. So like, there's a point where like, I definitely like feel better in every way. And there's a point where it's like, okay, like I just don't see the benefit of being this quote unquote fat. Like I, I could be a couple of percentages leaner and I would feel just as good. So like there, there's definitely that kind of sweet spot. And honestly, I think that like 15% ish is pretty much the ideal male body fat for most people. Um, Would you agree? Most people will like, there's, there's some variation here. Like some, there, there are people out there who can genuinely maintain 10%, but it's, it's super rare. Like it's really, it's not common at all. And, you know, there are people who, for them, their upper or their, their lower range is going to be about 20%. It's not common, but there are some people like whenever they try to get below 20%, you know, maybe they've had a, a history of obesity. They used to be much higher. 
they find that when they go below 20%, they get these symptoms that most people would get closer to 10%. Yeah. And especially if they're involved in the fitness industry, they're probably thinking about like, oh, what is wrong with me? Why am I broken? Everyone else can get abs. Why can't I? And sometimes it's just, you know, your dietary history. Maybe it's your leptin sensitivity. If you've gone very high in body fat percentage, you know, perhaps uh, it does dysfunctionalize uh, mm-hmm. some hormone levels and, you know, can impact your leptin sensitivity, your insulin sensitivity, lots of issues. And so it just might not be in the cards. Like I've had clients who are 40, 50% body fat and they want to go to five to 9%. <laughs> yeah. And I have to tell them like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Right. It's just, this is just a really bad idea and you should pick a more reasonable goal. And, you know, I can't really sign off on this as a coach because even if it does happen, it's not going to last anyway. Right. Like if someone is genuinely 40 or 50% body fat, you know, 25% is a big win and 20% is like, is really, really, really good. If you look at like the statistics on dieting, most people fail, most people rebound and even just, you know, chopping off 10 or 20, 10 or 15% body fat is really, really, really good for your health. Oh, so yeah. those people who have like, you know, fitness model goals. Uh, yeah. Like, unless you're already naturally very lean, probably not going to happen right yeah yeah and 15 is so like the problem is that like a lot of people th- think oh, yeah, because yeah. of these stupid pictures <laughs> online that 15 <15% laughs> yeah. is like where you like basically have no app definition like maybe like you can see like some outline but like really nothing and like 20 percent is like oh that that's obese but like in reality like if you're a reasonably muscular guy like 20 percent is actually reasonably lean already and yeah like i have some definition and like i have upper abs and like i have some chest striations and the more muscle you have the better you're going to look at a given body fat percentage yeah and some people they've even said like oh no you're like 15 percent but i know i'm not because there's no way that i put that much weight on and only got to 15 percent, right and like you can sort of judge yourself better every time you bulk and cut and i think a lot of people they underestimate their body fat percentage so like the minute they get a little bit of abs they're like 12 percent or something and it's like oh, i don't know about that like probably not especially if you have like genetically thick abs or if you train your abs you might have abs at you know low 20s percent oh, yeah. body fat and you know you can look good at, at that level um but you're not like 12 12 body fat yeah yeah absolutely um so just real quickly i want to ask you so you said you're doing full body every day so that's um i know you're um well i can cut this out if this is a secret but you're doing the um, menno hanselman's um certification thing um is that public info or that's yeah 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 Um, Uh, i'll probably do a review on it at some point oh cool so so full body every day so that's like legit like chest on tuesday chest on wednesday yeah yeah um i've been hitting yeah i've been hitting chest pretty much every every day um it's you know full body training is one of those things where it's usually not full full body right like i haven't hit calves in in years right (laughs) um yeah 
same and it's like i'm not doing wrist curls every day or like neck <laughs> every day or, but yeah, it's yeah. like every day i have some kind of lower body um some kind of usually some kind of squat some kind of hinge some kind of horizontal press sometimes a vertical overhead press sometimes not i might just do isolation stuff instead of pressing mm -hmm. sometimes um not for any particular reason just because i don't have that many pressing exercises that i even like and i mm -hmm. want to vary them so i have like maybe three or four that i would include mm -hmm. um usually one vertical pull and or horizontal um sometimes both sometimes some curls depends on like you can hit your biceps with compounds anyway and then occasionally triceps as well but again those are usually hit through post grip and dips and stuff like that plus like i don't really need <laughs> extra triceps anyway so i'm more focused on other stuff um and then you know just sprinkle sprinkling in some isolation at the end so it's mostly done circuit style so it'll mm -hmm. be like a set of hinge then a set of a set of rows, then a set of, of pushes, and it'll sort of go in that way. And then I have a second circuit, um, but it's fairly unstructured right now, just because I'm sort of retarding the training. I was like off the gym for ten days. Oh. Um, it's a long time for me. Then mm -hmm. uh, I'll probably keep this up for another week and a half or so, um, and then switch to more specific training where it's you know maybe. Maybe a push pull legs, maybe like my old split, which was legs, torso, isolation, um, then repeat. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's tiring. I find that I need an extra hour of sleep. And mm. you know, sometimes I'll be a little bit sore, but um, you know, I've done full body training before. And so I'm sort of used to that feeling where it takes a little bit longer to warm up on some movements on some days, but once you're warmed up, like performance is really, really good. I actually, I've said personal bests, like the fifth day in a row of training a muscle group or something like that. And so nice, nice, nice. Um, one of the main points I'll probably have in my video is like, you can recover from more than you think. And, you know, fatigue is important if you want to like max out, but you can hit PRs on rep work pretty consistently even if like on paper you should be fatigued um so yeah 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 i'm really enjoying it it's, it's good overall so how, how many sets do you do on average for like per day for a muscle group that let's say you do daily probably so it, it it's it kind of varies right now um i don't actually track volume um i did that video on ultra high volume and yeah. I, I tracked that, but it wasn't something that I usually tracked because for me, that became a problem um, just because I chased the volume too much and it, it got kind of out of control where like my intensity of the sets went down and like all the other training variables that are really important went down to accommodate for the increase in volume because I was tracking volume and chasing volume. And so I actually stopped tra tracking volume like late 2019 because it wasn't a metric mm -hmm. that was actually going to be useful it was actually counterproductive um and so i don't i don't actually track it anymore i give myself maybe like a range of sets usually two to four mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so 
roughly two to four, but on some movements, it might be a little bit less or it might be a little bit easier, especially for some muscle groups. So I might have like a big hamstring day and then the next day is like sets of hamstring curls or something where it's not as fatiguing as a back extension or Romanian deadlift. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also mixing up like stretching versus contracting movements. So yeah, that's good. You know, if I put like, I put like three stretching movements in a row, like Monday, RDLs, Tuesday, back extensions, Wednesday, good mornings. That's just not going to, oh God, yeah. like that's just not going to, what if I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday with those, and then on Tuesday and Thursday, I have some kind of curl or something, you know, that is a lot more manageable. In fact, it might actually help recovery um, because you're getting blood into the area and, um, you know, obviously if you're taking the sets to failure, it's still fatiguing, but I find that just contracting movements in general, super easy to recover from. Yeah. Yeah. Like a preacher curl versus a spider curl. So in a preacher curl, you're stretching everything out. Mm -hmm. in, a preach, in a spider curl, it's the top contracted movement. You're just hanging off of a bench. I mean, you can alternate those and it's almost like they complement each other and you can even do more volume and more effort stay in one piece and so i find that's not not talked about that much but you know the individual biomechanics of each movement can really play a big role in how you structure everything yeah 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 it's um i i think have you by any chance heard my uh training frequency roundtable with mike israel and eric helms it's like a two-hour probably round table. Yeah, i probably did because i did Full body training in 2019. Uh huh. And yeah, I'm guessing yeah. it was around that time. Yep. So I've, yep. I've probably seen it. Like I, I've watched your content for a long time, so it. Oh, uh, thank you. Especially on, <laughs> especially on something like that where, I know I was actively looking for content. I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it it was very. So Eric said something there, and I think it's very true that even if someone is not going to land on full body high frequency training as their final like training style it can be a very valuable learning tool because for example with which movements do you tolerate like connective tissue and joint wise it teaches you a lot because like i used oh, yeah. to i it, like traditionally or historically whenever I tried higher frequency training, I immediately got like a bunch of like flare ups, like elbow, shoulder, like just everything started hurting. And then now I don't have that issue at all. And, and basically like whatever movements I can make work with a higher frequency setup, like basically those are my most sustainable exercises, even if I train with lower frequency. So um, like what I found is I could, so if you want to do higher frequency training and you're like, reasonably strong already so you have to be a bit careful like exercise variety is a pretty big key so like having like let's say two movements only for a muscle group and just like going back and forth like a b a b <laughs> that's no. uh i mean yeah especially if it, that's like i mean i did that for a while and that was a pretty dumb idea like back squats and leg extensions like those two movements and like a b a b man, I'm really lucky that I didn't get injured during that period. Looking back, um, at least like some overuse injury or something could have happened. And luckily it didn't, but I was lucky. So like th three or four movements, I think 
for people like us that are like reasonably advanced, I think is a, a really good starting point. But even if you're less advanced, like just have some freaking variety if you're going to do that high frequency. And, and exactly as, as you're saying, like you can't, like you will be surprised how well you can recover. Like for a lot of people, just training a muscle group back to back is insanity. But you you yeah. can really do it, and like, and you will get stronger. Like you will be hitting rep PRs and weight PRs. So um, definitely, and and what you said that's a really good point. Um, just just like switch up the like long muscle lengths and like peak contraction dominance. So like yeah, have a let's say like a bench press or a dumbbell bench press, and then have like a a cable chest press or a cable pack deck fly, where like most of the tension is is at that top position at the peak contraction so like switch that up and and it's it's remarkably safe and 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 um surprisingly safe and it can be remarkably effective at times um so yeah definitely definitely agreed there um yeah for sure like yesterday i did three sets of machine chest press uh 18 15 15 first set all out uh zero to maybe one rep and reserve mm. second set probably one rep and reserve it's a machine where it's toughest at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you can really like grind and then try to get to the end yeah. um and then the last set was definitely zero reps and reserve the last rep probably took eight to nine seconds whoa so just like <laughs> Yeah, so it's like just like a full like a full grind, yeah. um, and then today I've, I'm hitting personal bests on my main barbell variation. So, like it took longer to warm up. Um, I had to make sure like my positioning is good, but like it's definitely doable, more than a lot of people will think. And I think a lot of people, I think everyone should experiment with it at some point. Probably not in your first year of training or second or third, but like at some point, I would say you can learn more from this style of training than any other form of training because it teaches you, you know, what movements, as you said, beat you up, which movements you can get away with, what areas can tolerate that frequency. So for me, my elbows, especially with extensions, super durable. Shoulders, fairly durable. Wrists, no issues at all. Hips, I have to be careful with. Mm-hmm, Lower mm-hmm. back, super, super bulletproof. No issues at all. Um, knees, fairly durable. But like if I do a bunch of front squats and then like a bunch of, you know, leg extensions the next day and then like some kind of maybe quad dominant lunge, you know, like, it, yeah, I have to be careful with the variations there. Um, but, you know, it's mostly the hips and be careful of the deep, hip flexion under load and like warming up and making sure everything is moving well. And so, you know, high frequency will reveal your weaknesses. And that's a good thing because you know what to work around. And pretty much everyone I've talked to who's lifted for, I don't know, eight, 10 plus years, they know this, right? Like they've figured out where they break before, before everywhere else. I think that's really, really useful information. And then, yeah, just what exercises beat you up the most and sometimes those are just not worth doing right like if you don't get a lot out of it it just you know i'm not a huge fan of stimulus to fatigue ratio for a lot of people you get some people who don't deadlift when they can't deadlift 
three plates or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in that case, you know, who, who cares about stimulus to fatigue ratio? Like you can't let's, even reach let's a, look at a the stimulus. level of performance. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're not creating any fatigue. Yeah. So like, why are you worrying about this? Or it's like they work out for 40 minutes, three times a week, and they're trying to optimize their stimulus to fatigue ratio. No, you just need to optimize your stimulus because, you know, that's what's actually going to matter. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, when you're doing higher frequency, stimulus to fatigue ratio is super important. And some exercises just might not worth not might not be worth doing, right? Like, um, you know, the deadlift or, or some other big movements, they might just be really tough to fit in with high frequency. Yeah, it's um, so so. Just two things, and then we will um, wrap up because I kept you up for long enough, and um, it's it's getting late there. So um, the yeah, so like just on like how much it teaches you, like. For example, like this, I don't think I would have discovered if I didn't do high frequency. So I was trying to bring up my arms uh, a bit, um, which kind of lost hope over that. But like, okay, like I'll do some higher arm volume cycle or whatever. So so I was doing like arms like basically every day and it was like a different curl variation, but like was doing basically daily bicep work and tricep work. And from the cur- bicep curls, like what do you call this? Like elbow crease is this the... Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a technical yeah. term, but yeah. So it, it, it started flaring up like really badly. And, and, and like I was getting this weird like pain in my thumb as well as I was doing curls. And it was clear that like those like bicep and elbow tendons were just like getting inflamed. Um, and um, so basically I just had to realize that, okay, like I just have to stand in a particular way and like if I do a cable curl and the cable is from behind me, then like I shouldn't give it this massive stretch in the bottom. Like kind of, it should be like slightly pulling the arm back, but not quite as much. And I also found that if I abduct my shoulder a little bit or my arm a little bit, that for some reason also makes it better. And like, since then I gave that advice to people who had that kind of problem and it helped them. And it's like super cool. And I wouldn't have realized that if I didn't do like daily arm training, because then like all those limitations became like super apparent. Um, So that that's, that's one thing. And the other thing is like, yeah, with some, for me, it's my, my knees actually, like I can do daily quad work, but that's one of those things that I like really have to warm up. So like, I have to do some, like, I'm first, I'm just like kicking back and forth. I have to do that then like just squat down just with body weight a few times. Like it, it actually like kind of a pain in the ass to warm up for it. And then I'm good to go. So it's like, man, like I'm going to do that like six, seven days a week, like get the hell out. So now I'm just like, okay, I'll get my, all my leg extensions, hex squats and whatever down like twice a week. That's going to be more than enough uh, messing around with this bullshit. So, uh, so yeah, yeah very, very cool yeah, learning. Great. Like, for, for some people, like, they want to just consolidate the volume. And I've heard powerlifters talk about this, where it's like, maybe it's it's a lower back or something. They just consolidated their squat and their deadlift to give themselves more time to recover. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it would just flare up if they did higher frequency um, for whatever area it was. And, you know, yeah, there, there's some areas that, and I was actually saying for most areas, the limiting factor in the long term is your joint integrity. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, they don't have a quad MRV. 
they have a knee <laughs> yeah, MRV. <laughs> like that's it's never the it's never the quadricep muscle it's the knee and there's really it's really hard to stimulate your quads without going through the knee like it just you can't get around it it's right there it's where all the force goes through and so plus quads often need a lot of volume to grow especially compared to hamstrings or something and so mm. yeah you yeah. often it's, it's a knee max recoverable volume um whereas with something like chest you know there are some variations you can do to get around a shoulder mrv right like cables yeah. or, or a different angle or something same thing for back if you have a lower back mrv you know and you just can't tolerate a lot of bent over rows i'll have a video out about this at some point um if you can't tolerate a lot of spinal erector or just disc lower back issues you know stress in that area you have like a dozen different variations of row that support your chest right like seal mm -hmm. rows cable rows machine rows other machine rows like there's a bunch of different options and you know you can work around that but for the quads yeah it's 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 hard to think of, of workarounds that are gonna like get around a knee type of issue yeah 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 it's um yeah yeah I, and, and I, I wish it responded to like super low volumes because uh, it's like probably my least favorite thing to train out of all but <laughs> um anyway man so let's wrap it up here uh thank you so much for taking this much time and it was really cool to talk to you again so as i said from now on i'm reviewing all your videos so it's just two <laughs> daily jeffrey videos that you will see just kidding um yeah, so please uh, let us know where um, people can check out your content and work. Uh, unfortunately, it's all been deleted at this point because YouTube, oh. they've seen this upload, they've scanned through it with their sensors and they've just realized, oh no, and I'm a threat. I'm a threat to the system and, you know, oh. Matrix style, they're going to. Okay, then Jeff's, my... all, all Jeff's subscribers, please come to me. You have me as a backup. <laughs> just kidding. Subscribe yeah, to you, me. <laughs> I'll just send my content to you and then you can review it. Keep yeah, yeah. Watching. <laughs> uh, so it's just my name, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, Verity Schofield. Um, I'm surprised at how many people type out the whole thing. It yeah. should auto-complete. It should auto-complete once you get in uh, yeah. the first name, hopefully. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so you're on Instagram, YouTube, and... Um, and where yeah, else those those are the main ones i'm on quora as well it's where i started oh. but I, I barely i barely write there anymore mm. kind of so. all righty well then jeff thanks so much for taking the time it was a pleasure my pleasure awesome